Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. A very warm welcome indeed to this broadcast from Trinity Church for today, Sunday, the 24th of May, 2020. I want to welcome you very warmly indeed, wherever in the world you're watching. Uh, It's wonderful that you can be with us, uh, albeit in this limited way. I hope you're able to watch and listen and worship God together today with us. I want to welcome our church family as always, uh, my dear family and friends at Trinity. Welcome to you. And today, on behalf of our church family, we also want to welcome the folks at Highland International Church in Inverness, who I know are tuning in today to watch and be with us. And you're very welcome uh, indeed as well uh, to join us today. It's nice to have you watching with us. Uh, All the love and prayers of our Trinity family we're sending to you today as you watch. We're going to begin uh, with a call to worship in just a moment, and uh, I will read that and then we will sing. There'll be a song for us on the screen Um, And then a prayer of confession and assurance. And then our Bible reading from the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 15. So listen to these words from Exodus chapter 15. As God himself calls us today to his throne in heaven and calls us to worship him and to know him. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling, and you will reign forever and ever. Now these words of confession of sin as we come to God and lay ourselves open before him. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, we confess that we have followed too much the devices and the desires of our own hearts rather than your will and have offended against your holy laws in our selfishness. We have consistently turned in on ourselves, focusing on our own interests, attending to our own ambitions and wishes without sufficient thought for others and for your will. Cleanse our hearts through the blood of your Son. Give us your Holy Spirit that we may love you anew and magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Dear friends, listen to these wonderful, beautiful words of assurance of pardon, assurance of the forgiveness of our sins. Who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Amen. I'm going to read from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. We're going to look at this chapter over two Sundays, two sermons. How do you join God's family today? And then next Sunday, how do you live in God's family? Today, reading 15 verses 1 to 21. 
How do you join God's family? But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles, that's Peter, Simon Peter, to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Well, friends, homeschooling, what we're doing at the minute in our house here in Aberdeen, homeschooling has brought back awful memories for me. And in fact, not just awful memories, I, I really, I, it'd be better to say nightmares. No words strike more fear into my soul at the minute than sitting round our dining room table, hearing a small child say, Dad, can you help me with my maths? I, I, I think I panic, I freeze, my, my eyes glaze over, I start to sweat. And the numbers on the page in front of me start to dance. Now, of course, for me today, it's not a big deal, really. Now, I have a calculator, I've got my phone, I can get by whenever I need to do maths. But we all know, don't we, that if you get maths wrong, if you get your sums wrong, everything can go wrong. So the engineer on the building site 
the Chancellor standing in front of the nation at the minute with his bailout plans, the numbers are everything, aren't they? The accountant and his auditing. And I want to give you one more thing today as we listen, one more. The man or the woman wanting to be in the right with God. The man or the woman wanting to be in the right with God. Someone who wants to join God's family, who wants to be part of his people. Somebody who wants to love God and come close to him. Well, I want in this sermon to introduce you to something called gospel maths. Gospel maths, gospel sums. If we want to be our man or a woman part of God's family, we need to learn to count And getting our gospel psalms right matters more than anything else on earth. More than anything else. See, Acts chapter 15 in front of you is a family crisis moment. Uh, The heading in your Bible will say the Jerusalem Council, but really this is the Jerusalem crisis. Here is a watershed moment. Gentiles are joining God's family. You see uh, the ending of chapter 14, verse 27. They declared all that God has done, had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. God has opened the door to his house and Gentiles are walking right in and sitting down and they're using the family silver. And the Jews who have always lived there in this house are saying, who are you? Is this right? Can you do this? Are, are they allowed to be here? Here is why this is a family crisis. How do you join God's family? Can you just walk right in through the door? What do you have to do to join? All I want to do here today is show you that this chapter is all about gospel maths. The problem of gospel maths and the answer. And both the problem and the answer, fortunately for me and hopefully for you, are actually quite simple. But to get it wrong or to get it right... Well, both of those things have very profound effects in different directions. So just two things, the problem of gospel maths and the answer of gospel grace today. Here's the first one. Number one, the problem of gospel maths. Just look at the problem. It's, it's so clear, isn't it? Chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. The problem stated again in verse 5. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them, these Gentiles, and to order them to keep the law of Moses. See, in verse 1, we're told that Gentiles cannot be something. And in verse 5, we're told Gentiles must do something. They cannot be saved unless they're circumcised. That's what the law said, the custom taught by Moses. And they must do something. They must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Now, those are words on a page, aren't they, in front of you? And it doesn't look like a mathematical equation, does it? So let let me turn these words into numbers. See, when these men in verse 1 come down from Judea, to Antioch, from Judea to Antioch. That is, they're coming from the big centre, the capital city, where all the events of Jesus' life and death and resurrection had played out. So these men carry weight and clout. They're not nobodies. And as they arrive, they're saying this, Jesus plus something else 
equals salvation. Can you see the maths built into what they're saying? Jesus plus something else equals salvation. Jesus on his own is not enough. The grace of God on its own is not enough. Jesus plus equals salvation. Jesus plus equals salvation. You must have something else. You cannot join God's family without it. You cannot be saved without it. And here, of course, it's circumcision, isn't it? This was the hot button issue in the first century as the gospel spread. And as Gentiles came into contact with the gospel, up to now, you see, if you had been a Gentile and you wanted to start believing in the God of the Bible, you were handed a knife. You had to go under the knife. You were circumcised. You had a a part of your body cut away as a sign, a picture of what God had done to your heart in making it new. That's what circumcision was. So what happens if you're a Gentile and you want to start believing in the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, as he has shown himself in Jesus, his son? Do you still have to face the knife? Or is belief in Jesus enough? Is the gospel Jesus plus or is the gospel Jesus alone? See, what these men were saying is that, look, today, here we are, 24th of May, 2020. If you're watching this video and you're a man, you're male and you're a Gentile and you have not been circumcised, these men were saying you are not a Christian. You cannot belong to God and join his family. You cannot be saved because the law said you have to be. And you say you want to believe in Israel's God. So please start keeping Israel's law. That was their message. The problem of gospel maths, the problem of Jesus plus. Jesus plus something. Now, I doubt for us it's circumcision where we get our sums wrong today. Maybe it's, well, let me give you a range. Jesus plus baptism. That's what makes someone really a Christian. Have you been baptised in this particular way by our particular standards? Then we know you're saved and you're in. Jesus plus speaking in tongues. Jesus plus a certain version of the Bible. Jesus plus a certain type of dress code. A certain way of praying. Jesus plus teetotalism or Jesus plus the freedom to drink. Jesus plus praying. Jesus plus evangelism. Jesus plus reading my Bible. What is it that purifies my heart and makes me belong to God? And you see, friends, the human condition from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time right down through to today, to the present moment, has been to get our sums wrong. To never be correct with a single word answer. Our inbuilt tendency is to prefer at least three word answers. Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus something. Circumcision, law, goodness, effort, church. That is the problem of gospel maths. So number two, look at the answer of gospel grace. The problem is Jesus plus what? The answer, friends, is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. 
And I just want to show you that in our remaining time, verses 6 to 21. What, what happens in verses 6 to 21 is we get three speeches, which between them make three clear points why these men from Jerusalem need to be sent back to the drawing board. They, they say about maths, don't they? I was always told this, show us your working out. Show us your working out. I used to just hope I'd had the right answer and been able to bluff it. But no, you need to be able to show your working out. And that's all that happens here. Verse 7, Peter stands up and says, I want to show you how we can work out that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I want to show you. It's not enough just to state it. Let me show you. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And here are three steps In the passage in front of us, three steps in working out that answer. Be humble about your status. Be real about your experience. And be clear about your Bible. Be humble about your status. Be real about your experience. And be clear about your Bible. Can I just show you them? Number one, be be humble about your status. See, where, where we don't think that Jesus is all we need, it's usually because we think we've got something that nobody else has. We've got something that just pushes us up a little bit, lets us raise our shoulders and head that little bit higher than others. We're doing something that others don't do. And we've forgotten that before God, we all have equal status, exactly the same. Human beings forget this, don't we? All the time we forget this. Michael Jordan, probably the world's greatest ever basketball player, isn't he? And he's been in the media a lot because of this wonderful uh, series on Netflix, the documentary series, The Last Dance. A man like that, a man like him, he has a kind of otherworldly status, doesn't he? he? He's at the centre of several universes. Michael Jordan is at the heart of the sporting world, the clothing world, the business world. Did you know that when Michael Jordan travels, his own private security firm give him a code name, just like the president and his entourage get code names. When Jordan travels, he gets a code name. Do you know what his code name is? Yahweh. Yahweh, the Hebrew name for God. There's a man whose status is so far elevated above other people. How you get into God's family is to know that you are the same as everybody else. There is no higher echelons. You have the same needs as everyone in your family. Look at verses 7, 8 and 9. Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Look what he says next. God gave them the Holy Spirit. Look at these words. Just as he did to us. Just as he did to us. Verse 9, he made no distinction between us and them, us Jews and them Gentiles, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Do you see the equalizing of status just to them as to us? No distinction. What he did for us, he's done for them. You know, sometimes in our family, after we've been out for a walk uh, in a park somewhere, we've been out, shoes are muddy, we're heading back in the door and we say, right, everybody, shoes off. I look at all their, their shoes covered in muck, shoes off at the door. And obediently, the children do it, leave their shoes at the door. And I myself walk in confidently. I'm the dad. Of course, my shoes are different. I walk in confidently down the corridor. And then I look back, mud everywhere. 
why did I think I was any different? I've been in the same park wearing the same kind of shoes as they have. I need cleaning as much as the next person. And friends, here's the thing. Sometimes people who've been in God's family for a long time forget that how we got into God's family was not length of time, but Jesus. We forget that all we are is forgiven sinners. Forgiven sinners. Church, churches are, well, it's almost impossible to stop it, isn't it? Churches are little worlds of subcultures, of patterns of behaviour where we all seem to know the right thing to do and we have no idea how bewildering it is for an outsider to enter, someone to come to faith in Christ for the first time. I've I watched this with new Christians in church. What do they do? What do they say? What, what should they wear? Their habits. So very easy, isn't it, for other believers to not be humble about our status before God. To think we've earned a seat at the table over time, over the years, rather than sitting together as forgiven sinners. It's one of the most heartbreaking things about the pandemic at the minute, isn't it? Not being able to share the Lord's Supper together. Because the whole point of the Lord's Supper is not private. It's not me and God, but it is me and you and God. And being able to pass you the bread and to receive the wine from you. So that there is no difference between us. It preaches to us equality. Be humble about your status. That's the first part of working out the answer of Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I need Jesus, you need Jesus, I don't need Jesus plus something and you don't need him plus something. Together we are the same. Number one, be humble about your status. Number two, be real about your experience. Be real about your experience, verse 10. Now therefore, if you're asking these believers to be circumcised, to obey the law, now therefore, verse 10, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we were ever able to bear? See, the, the yoke on the necks here is a, a heavy burden which weighs down and crushes, you know, like carrying a child on your shoulders up a hill and you can only do it for so long and it aches and you're sore. The, the point of verse 10, Peter's saying, is that the yoke is not simply circumcision. You can't just uh, take one thing out of the law and ask everybody to do that. that that's not a particularly heavy yoke to bear, is it? Now, circumcision is hardly something that the fathers of Israel were unable to bear. No, the, these men weren't just saying that you just had to be circumcised. They were saying you had to keep the whole law. See, Jesus plus the Mosaic law in its entirety was their message. Something like 630 commands, I think. All of that. Circumcision is just the badge, if you like, the, the summary, the header for the whole thing. Jesus plus the Mosaic law in its entirety was their message. And that obedience to the law of Moses, imagine carrying 600 laws up a hill. That is a heavy weight. And it sits, Peter says, it sits on the shoulders of every Jew from the day they are born until the day they die. And they cannot carry it. Obedience to the law. Peter says, let's be real about our own experience here. You're asking them to observe the law. Well, let's tell them a little bit our, about our family history. 
Let's be real about our experience. Don't you remember? You haven't been able to do it. The law has crushed you and condemned you, Peter says. And now you're trying to lead Gentiles up the same blind alley. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 44, question 113. What is God's will for you in the 10th commandment? The 10th commandment, do not covet. What is God's will for you in the 10th commandment? Answer, that not even the slightest thought or desire contrary to any one of God's commandments should ever arise in my heart. Rather, with all my heart, I should always hate sin and take pleasure in whatever is right. What is God's will for you in the 10th commandment? Not even the slightest thought or desire contrary to any one of God's commandments should ever arise in my heart. Rather, with all my heart, I should always hate sin and take pleasure in whatever is right. And Peter just wants to ask, doesn't he, verse 10, how's that going today? How are you doing with that? If you're going to say you can't join God's family unless you've been circumcised, remember he's saying circumcision is just one part of the law. You can't pick and choose. It's a package deal. So you have to say you can't join God's family unless you keep the whole law, in which case who gets in? Who gets in? Who makes it if that's the standard? Jesus plus the law of Moses equals empty seats at the table. No one round the table. No one gets in. No, part of working out the answer of gospel grace is realising that we cannot keep the law. We cannot keep the law as beautiful as it is, as good as it is, as perfect as it is. We need a saviour, not an increase in our effort. Be humble about your status. Be real about your own experience. Number three. Be clear about your Bible. Be clear about your Bible. James speaks now, verse 13. And all he says here is, he says, look, don't you remember? The Bible predicted this would be true, that it would also be true of the Gentiles. He quotes, verses 16, 17, he quotes from Amos about God's building project, rebuilding and restoring the tent, that is the family of the Davidic king, putting God's people together as a family, And Amos said the materials that God is going to use to do that building would always be mixed. Don't you remember, James says, look at it. There will be Jewish bricks. Yes, that's obvious. The remnant of mankind, verse 17. But there will also be Gentiles, outsiders who are called by my name. See the point? It is possible to be a Gentile and bear God's name. You do not have to be Jewish and keep the law and be circumcised to bear God's name. As you are watching this today in your Scottishness, in your South Africanness, in your West Africanness, in your Outer Hebridean Islandness, your Americanness, your Irishness, you can bear his name and belong to Christ's family. See, I think James is saying this to his friends. Be clear about your Bible. How do I join God's family? The Bible tells you that centuries before you ever came to know who Jesus is, the Bible said that you would. The Bible sent prophets to say that people like us would one day be sitting here doing what we're doing, watching this, 
with open Bibles, amazed in awe and wonder that we, we of all people, belong to God. Be clear about your Bible. Your Bible speaks about you. God knows you by name. One brick in the great temple of his body that he is building. The great temple of his people that God is putting together. And so friends, today, this sermon, it's a very simple message, isn't it? I hope it's simple. It's all there in verse 11. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. It's interesting, verse 11, you would expect it to be the other way around, wouldn't you? But we believe that they will be saved, the Gentiles will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as we are. But he does it the other way around. Look, it's, it's amazing that we're saved this way, never mind them. This is the message of the book of Acts, the message that spread through the ancient world and that needs to burn into our hearts, friends. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing is everything. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You know, it's very, very likely, isn't it, in these two church families, at least, that are watching today, Highland and Inverness, Trinity and Aberdeen. It's very likely that some of us look at others in our church families and we read, we read God's favour towards us off our own sense of inferiority. Rather than learning to read God's love for us off Jesus. It's true, isn't it? We read God's love for us off the way that we compare ourselves to others rather than reading God's love for us off his son, the Lord Jesus, who he gave to us. If you have Jesus, you belong in God's family and you belong to us. You know, one of the things we say at Trinity often is that the door to membership in our church family, the door to membership has the same dimensions as the door to salvation. In other words, if you walk through the door to become a Christian and to belong to God, then you belong to us. We don't have an extra door, a different door, a Trinity-shaped door for somebody to have to walk through that as well in order to become a member. If you belong to Christ, you can belong to us. Never, ever make Jesus plus something else your bar for accepting someone else. God doesn't do that. Jesus alone welcomes someone into God's family. So why do we set extra criteria for it? It's very important for us, isn't it, to to never make our own little subculture commitments the, the standard for somebody else's belonging to God. Maybe that's just an exercise for you to do today in our church family. Think about the last time you were together. We were together as a church family. Think about church family life What are our little subculture commitments that if people don't quite measure up to, they've just left that little bit out in the cold? It's not how it should be, should it, ever. Again, the Lord's Supper is a wonderful leveller, isn't it? It just lays us level. Whatever your job, whatever your background, whatever your status and standing in life, there is the same food and drink for all. So it should be in our church family, in our in our our homes, our 
Our tables in our home should have lots of space around them for people who look different and eat different and sound different and think different. It should be places of rich colour, not monochrome. And I simply want to encourage you today, as, as I finish, friends, I want to encourage you today to treasure God's grace to you in Jesus, whoever you are and whatever you've done, whatever your past is like. So I want you to think of it like this. When, that, when, when the little child wrongs their parent, it happens, doesn't it, all the time. They, they blatantly disobey their parent and eventually they know they've done wrong and they come sobbing into their parent's arms. They've seen what they've done. They know, they know it was wrong. What would you think as you see the mother on bended knee in the garden and little Johnny running into her arms and the mother says, she puts her arms around the child. Ah, oh, Johnny, haven't you forgotten something? Uh, I'm sorry, Mum, Johnny blurts out. I'm sorry, Mum. No, I think you're forgetting something, Johnny, aren't you? The, the, those flowers over there, I'd like those, please. How about a little gift for Mummy, please, Johnny? Then we can be friends. Just run over there and bring me that here, and then I'll forgive you. Then we'll be friends. Grace and forgiveness plus something else is grotesque. It's wrong, isn't it? How demeaning of both, both the little child and the parent for a relationship to work like that. We don't live like that, so why do we think it's okay with God? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Take verse 11, friends, today. Burn it deep into your heart. Plaster it over your week ahead and your month. However much longer we're like this in lockdown. And as we return into church family life together, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. Listen to J.C. Ryle as I finish. Do we feel bad and wicked and guilty and deserving of God's anger? Is the remembrance of our past lives bitter to us? Does the recollection of our past conduct make us ashamed? Many of us are like this, aren't we? We know this. Maybe just even the past week, years, our track record as long as our arm then we are the very people who ought to run to Christ. Just as we are making no useless delay, Christ will receive us graciously, pardon us freely, and give us eternal life. For Christ receives sinners. Amen.